So today, going opposite of what I usually do, I'm, I have put together a Resurrection Day message um, because God put on my heart to do so. And he gave me the title. And I guess Lindsay must have been peeking because it's right behind her head. I see it right there. That is the title. She did not know that. And I did not tell her that. But that is the title of today's message. He is risen. Um, I wanted to not get complicated with it. I wanted it to be simple, but I wanted it to still be packed with good, strong, godly truths. I talk about often in my messages in the way I flow, it's about covenant. It's about a covenant relationship that we have with God and he has with us. And for me, that's more important than all the religious jargon, because my thing is, you know, if you love me, you keep my commandments. It isn't like, well, if you really love me, you'll keep my commandments. What he's saying is you learn to love me, then it would be just natural for you to keep my commandments. If you're trying to be religious, you can't. But if you really, really love me, you keep my commandments. Let me, let me see if I can put that in, in simple terms. It could be a kid. It could be somebody you may have fallen in love with in your life. Who knows? It could be a family member. If you love that person, you do things for them that you would not normally do. You, 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 you make decisions that you would not normally make. You will stand up for them and defend them even when they're wrong. You, you know, you, you would do all of that because you love a person. And so God is saying, if you love me, like you love that person or that child or that parent, then you would do what pleases me. And that would be to keep my commandments. See how it takes all the sting off of it. If you're really a good Christian, you would do this. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that if you would just surrender your heart to loving me, then you will find it much easier to keep my commandments, right? Those who forgiven much loves much. And all of these things, you know, we can spend our whole life beating ourselves up for not being as behaving the way we should, where if we spend more time saying, God, help me love you the way you deserve to be loved, then the behavior will fall in line because out the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's certain things I will say and there's certain things I won't say. So this is just a side journey, but it's very important to this message. Spend your time learning to love the Lord. Seek the Lord in your prayer time on how to love and how to love the Lord. And he said, and if you love me, then just habitually you will keep the commandments. Amen. So I want to talk about this promise that Jesus made. And, and so let's just do this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to start reading something. We're just going to get right into the reading today. And I'm not going to set it up. I'm just going to jump right in there. Stick, stick your finger in that. I'm not going to start with the Matthew one. So stick your finger in that. I'm going to start at Mark 20. I mean, Mark chapter nine, verse 30 and 32. Let, we're going to go there. Then we're going to go to the Matthew. But let's go to Mark first. Mark chapter nine, verse 30. I said, stick your finger in there like people still using paper Bibles. Uh, 
bookmark it, whatever you do in your app. But keep it in your mind. Remember that. Dr. Wise still has a paper, Bob, so you can stick your finger in there. All right. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. They went on from there and began to go to Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it because he was teaching his disciples and preparing them for the future. He told them, the son of man is to be betrayed and handed over to the men who are his enemies and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise from the dead three days later but they did not understand the statement and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. Now I want to lay down a quick foundation here. Jesus is saying there's going to a time is going to come that you're going to take me. Son of man is going to be betrayed. He's going to be, he's going to be killed. But in the third day, he's going to rise from the dead. They didn't question him, they said, because they were afraid. They, didn't, they were afraid to ask him what that meant. They didn't know what it meant, and they didn't want to ask him. Now, I want to lay a quick foundation down for you, and this is a very important foundation. You ready for this? His disciples, for the most part, were not learned men. I want you to understand something. These guys weren't scholars. They were, they were not, you know, hermeneutics or exogenics. They, they did not. They were not deep studied religious church folk. So they didn't read probably the, 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 the Torah and the Pentateuch, and they didn't understand. You hear me using all these churchy words here? They're real words. I'm not making them up. Okay. <laughs> they, they didn't understand the law or the prophecies and the stuff of the of the um the men of old they knew they exist and they knew they were great men like a lot of church folk do but they didn't really know or study themselves to be approved like that they were reg regular average workers and i really found it interesting that everybody jesus picked were not church leaders or religious leaders but he picked the common person and the people on here said amen <laughs> Amen. He picked and he used the common person. He used the person that the average person would reject. He picked the truck drivers. He picked the bus drivers. He picked the construction workers. He picked the fishermen, you know, the longshoremen. He picked He picked the average person. He didn't go after the, the cream of the crop, quote unquote. And so when he said this, they hadn't studied the word to know that the Messiah would be put to death. It's right there in their, in their word. And, and I want to express this to you. I just want to take a side journey real quick. It was a long time ago. I was sitting with a rabbi and we were having a conversation. I was talking to him and I was, I was newly born Christian, but I had a lot of zeal and a lot of fire. And I felt like as a Christian, I was now supposed to go out and just challenge everybody who didn't believe what I believed and, um, and have this, this discourse of, of intellectual banter even though I was a baby, I still felt that it was my responsibility to do so. And I happened to be sitting with this man and I asked him about Jesus being Lord. And I was studying, you know, the Old Testament. He said, no, he was a very good man and this and that and the other. 
Would you call him a prophet? Eh, you know, some people might. And he was he was very politically correct. And I said to him, the timelines, because I was studying the Old Testament, of when he would come are accurate according to your law, your book. Am I wrong? Yeah, but it was a lot of people around that time, da, 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 that kind of fit the description. Okay. So I went on based on my, my newborn studies, but I was studying. I was studying Jesus in the Old Testament. I mean, I was really going through it. And I said, so are you still waiting for your Messiah to come? Well, we missed the mark, so he's probably not coming. He's decides to give me this stuff. And I'm like, you got scripture for that? Like, I, I mean, I really want to know. I wasn't trying to argue with him, but I was like, you got you got scripture for that? Because there's no scripture that says that the time was missed. Well, we believe that. Da, da, da. I said, so then you, you don't have salvation or you don't, you know, there's no, no more. Well, it's not that if we keep the law and such such thing. And I said, OK, let me ask you a question. You got to understand, I'm in my 20s. I'm a baby Christian, but God has filled my mind with wisdom, like an understanding as a young, young man. I look back now and go like, wow, like you really thought some stuff through. Now I said to him, if your Messiah did come, because you have a promised Messiah, that's true. It's all in your, all in your book. It's all in your law. It's all in the Pentateuch. It's in the Torah. It's, it's, it's in there. He said, that's true. I pulled up some verses and quoted them to him. That's right. I said, I'm not even going to go to the New Testament. I'm just going to talk to you out of the Old Testament. I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you because I want you to understand the power of your Christ and your Savior and what it means. I said, if your Messiah was to come tomorrow, what would you do? He said, what do you mean? You said he hasn't come. You said Jesus is not him. So if he was to come tomorrow, what would you do? And he said something that was really, really interesting to me as a baby Christian, but again, very studied. He said, well, it would, it would be a, a triumph of return to, of his kingdom. He would reinstate and reinstall his people. And, you know, and, he, and he began to give me this whole breakdown like the disciples expected. No, we're supposed to take over. You're supposed to rise up and be the king right now. And he broke this down for me. And I said to him, sir, that's not true. He said, what do you mean? I said, according to your books, if he comes, you're going to kill him. And his face, like the color, went out of his face. I said, according to your book, not the New Testament, your book, he would man to be a man of many sorrows, rejected of his own, treated badly and put to death. You are waiting for a person that you're going to kill. Well, that's a different interpretation, but I can see at that point and I can hear the Holy Spirit say, leave him right there. Don't say another word. Your work is done. Get out of his out of his place. Leave that poor man alone. I said, if your Messiah comes tomorrow, you're going to kill him. That's the promise in your word. You're going to reject him and you're going to kill him. Now, I need you to understand the power of this. And those of you who've seen the passion of Christ, 
He was put to death by crucifixion, which is a powerful statement in itself. Because at the time those books were written, I need you to understand it was 400 or more years before they even knew what crucifixion was. Because crucifixion is a Roman thing. It's not a Jewish thing. They would stone you. There was no such thing, crucifixion. So to say that he was going to die all those years before by crucifixion, thousands of years earlier, that, that you understand what I'm saying? Well, not thousands of years, hundreds of years earlier, they didn't even know Roman government and what crucifixion was when they when the prophet wrote he would be crucified. I need you to understand something. It's very important and potent that we catch that God speaks to us in the language that we understand about things we know nothing about. I'm going to say that one more time. God speaks to us in a language that we understand about things we know nothing about. Who, who, who stumped by that one? Just a little bit. Let me see your hand. If you like, yeah, you, you, you got me a little bit. God speaks to you in your language, but his promises to you most of the time are over your head. And the way he plans to do it, most of the time, is nothing you have any familiarity with. So the way he's going to answer the prayer, the way he's going to manifest what he promised you in your life, usually you start trying to put him in the category that it got to come to this person, or it got to come to this door, and it has to come to this connection, or this level of my education, or these people that I'm connected with. And God's like, no, I told you what I'm going to do in the language that you can understand. But what I'm about to do, you have no idea or connection with what I'm going to do. Why am I saying this to you? Come on, saints, get happy about this. Why am I saying this to you? Because a lot of the promises of God that you're saying are yea and amen have nothing to do with what you understand. The way he's going to do it is going to totally flip your world. And every connection you think you got to make it happen ain't going to have nothing to do with what he wants to do. And so we have a tendency to limit God from being great by trying to keep him ordinary. Yeah, I want to let you sit with that a minute. God is supernatural. And the promises that he made you, he's going to perform. But he doesn't need your hookups, connections, your education level, or the stuff that you have available to you right now to do it. He's going to take you down a path that you didn't even understand. And so what does that have to do with resurrection? I'm going to tell you. When he was explaining to them that I'm going to be taken, I'm going to be put to death, but I'm going to rise again, it went against what they understood. In their mind, they thought he was going to ride in triumphantly on a horse, and, and they already saw him do the miracle stuff he could do. He's just going to be pointing his finger, and people are just going to be dying and dropping, and floods is going to come, and locusts, and all the stuff they knew was going to be the way he was going to deliver them, right? It was going to be hail falling from the sky. We're going to rise up as a mighty army and surround them, and all the stuff they knew. And here's Jesus talking about, if they strike you, turn the other cheek. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that spite me. I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to rise in another day. My kingdom is not of this earth. And they're going to like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Okay, hold up. This is not the plan 
that we had. Th this is not the way we thought victory should look. This is not the, the image of how you deliver that we had in our minds. Come on, am I talking to you? What I wanted, what I wanted you to do to heal me is not the way I expected you to heal me. I thought you, I wanted you to do some little fancy stuff with your fingers and poof. And I didn't know you was going to make me stand. I didn't know you was going to make me believe. I didn't know you was going to tell me to change the way I eat. I didn't know you. I thought you was going to take, but I was going to go to my empty bank account one day and just put the card in it and a million dollars is just there. I didn't know that I had to work out my salvation and trembling in fear. I thought it was going to be magic. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to die. They're going to put me to death. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, what? What are you talking about die and raise up on the third? What is that even? No. You're the champion. You don't win the fights that way. You don't submit yourself to treatment that you don't feel you deserve to get a victory that you promised to give. This is throwing us off. So now I want, I, I said all this to put you in the mindset of where these disciples are right now. They've walked with Jesus. They've seen him turn water into wine, two fish, five loaves of bread. They've seen him raise the dead. They've seen him give sight to the blind. They've seen him do all this powerful God type stuff. And now he's talking about, oh, by the way, they're going to kill me. But I'm going to rise on the third day. What the heck are you talking about? Now, I'm submitting all that to you to say he is risen still. He is, not was, is. Say he is risen. And he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So he's telling you some things right now that got you excited, but the way he's going to do it is going to totally blindside your concept of how it's supposed to be done. It's going to go against what you expected. It's going to make you have to stretch yourself to believe something that just doesn't make logical sense to your brain. I'm glad Nellie keep putting a hand clap up there so she being blessed. Amen. This is, my God, is this a blessing? Is this helping you so far? I want you to be hopeful. It's not that he forgot. It's just that the way you looking for the package to come, it ain't coming through UPS. It ain't coming through FedEx. God has a whole different way that he's delivering his package. And while you keep running to the mailbox, is it there? Is it there? It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's in the back room of your house where I put it. It's been for the past three months. It's the thing that you want to reject and throw away because it doesn't make sense to you. But it's the way he's answering. Oh, somebody can give me a hallelujah, amen, or something right now. That I think that deserves that. So they didn't ask him. They're like, we don't know what that means, and we're not going to touch him. Now we're going back to Matthew 17.
And here Jesus is again. When they were gathered together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is betrayed and hand over to men who are his enemies and they will kill him. And he will be raised from the dead to life on the third day. And they were deeply grieved and distressed. Once again, your, your deliverance is being promised. Are you listening to me? And instead of being excited about it, because the way he's choosing to do it, you're grieved and depressed. We're talking about your ultimate salvation. He's talking about the things that must be done in order for you to inherit the kingdom that he's prepared for you before the foundation of earth, before you were yet in your mother's womb. He's talking about your deliverance, your eternal deliverance. And the reaction to it is depression and confusion and grief and frustration and fear. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying here right now? <laughs> God is saying, look, I'm, I'm doing something for you. And you're like, oh, God, where are you? I don't understand. He's like, didn't I tell you I was doing it? Didn't I tell you I was doing it? How many times have you going back to God with the same tears and the same problem and he just keep giving you the same answer? Just be patient. Wait on me. Be still. It's like, I don't want to hear it. Can you give me a little more than just be still? I'm not telling you be still, don't do nothing. I'm telling you be still in your spirit. Trust. Man, man, I'm getting, I'm getting. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I want you to go with me to Luke 24. And this is, this is the fun part right here. Let's go to Luke 24. I mean, I know all of it is fun, but Luke 24 right now. Oh, my God. Now, I want you to see something here. Starting at verse one. Now, this is after he's been put to death. This is after everything happened the way he said it would. The soldiers took him. They killed him again. He's dying for the sins of the world. He's dying for our sins. He had a plan. He didn't accidentally get killed. I have people ask, who killed him? Was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? And they'll argue back and forth who did it. Doesn't make any difference who did it. He said it was going to happen. He did it. Wait a minute. What do you mean he did it? Jesus did it. What do you mean Jesus did it? Jesus did it. He said, I come to die for your sins. Whoever was used in the, in, in the process, who cares? He did it. God did it. No, you're, you're, you're not hearing me right here. He, if he didn't do it, you'll be yet in your sins, the scripture says. He did it. No person did it. He did it. He came for it. Whoever was used, it could have been Judas, it could have been James, it could have been John, it could have been Timothy, it could have been anybody who else it wanted to be. It could have been Mary herself. He did it. They were all just pawns in the game. This is what I came to do. And whoever gets used to do it, so be it. He made the plan. So he's already fulfilled his first part of his promise. He's given his life. 
for your sins. He's been scourged. He's been beaten. He's been persecuted. He's been lied on. He's been spit on. He's been hit with sticks and clubs. He's been, you, you understand, nailed to a cross. He's got all of this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women went to the tomb bringing spices, which they had prepared to finish anointing his body. And they found a large circular stone rolled away back from the tomb. But when they went inside, stop. Somebody kind of believed him. And I need you to catch this. The women, skip, give props to the sisters, right? The brothers are hiding in, 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 in their little get together with the door locked, afraid for their lives. The sister's like, we're going to go anoint him. We're going we gonna to take our chances. Now, this is powerful. Because the sisters get there and it says, and when they went inside. And there's a reason why I bring that to you. Because you got to be ready to go inside. I'm just, I'm, you're you're going to see where I'm going. You got to be ready to go inside. Are you, are you ready for this? What do they go there with spices and herbs for? Well, the scripture says to anoint his body. No, but you're missing something. There's a stone rolled in front of the thing. Were they going to move it? That means they had to have faith that when they got there, what they needed to do needed to be in place for them to say, yo, 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 you got to come on now. They they went there saying, we're going to anoint his body. We don't know how we, we don't know if we're going to phase through the stone or what's going to happen, but we're going there to do this. See, this is what faith does. They didn't go there and say, well, we didn't go anoint his body. There's a stone there. They're like, well, we going. The brothers are like, well, good luck with that because that stone is there. We're not going to go touch that stone because them, them soldiers might kill us. So, But they went with the intention of accomplishing something that was not in their power to accomplish. This is what I meant when I said, God will tell you to do something in a language you understand, but not within your ability to do. You got it now, Caleb? He'll call you to do something and tell you to go do it. And if you sit there and start counting all your strengths and abilities and inabilities, you will never move and you'll never get to see the move of God. You know why they're the only ones who got to see what I'm about to read? It's because they got up and went. Knowing that a stone was there, knowing that there were guards and sentries blocking that thing. They, I, first of all, who, was, who in their mind was going to roll the stone away? They weren't going to do it. So they had to believe when we get there with this oil, God going to move this stone if he has to. But we're going there and we're going in. Somebody said we're going. We're going there. And we're getting in. Whatever that place God has promised you. Just go. He'll make a way for you to get in. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do it, and I need to get in touch with this person. No, you got need to get in touch with one person, the one who told you to go. See, these are things that people just look right over in the Bible. I'm like, it's right there. There it is. I see it. It jumps out at me. So let's do this now and again. Let's bring it home. 
And they found a large circle of stone rolled away from the tomb. No questions asked. But when they went inside, they did not find the body of the Lord. And they were perplexed, wondering about this. Suddenly, two men in dazzling clothes stood near them. Now watch this. They went there and they went in with a purpose and an understanding of what they were there for. So the only thing that threw them off or, 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 or betwixt them was, well, wait, where is he then? Not shocked that the stone is gone, but we came here to do something specifically that we believe you called us to do. And we got here, God, and what you, what we came looking for is not here. Come on, saints, push in on this with me. This is powerful. They weren't shocked that the stone was rolled away. They were shocked that we went here to do something that we thought you called us to do. And when we get there, he wasn't there. And we're perplexed because where is him? Where was the Savior that we're supposed to anoint? But listen, God didn't send them there to oil him. He sent them there to see the move. But they thought that it was about oil. They thought it was about taking care of a dead body. And God was like, no, because of your faith, you about to get the first hand view and understanding of the resurrection. You about to have a conversation with some angels because you went forward, because you chose to believe, because you decided to step up. Don't ask your mama and your sister and your cousin and your brother about the stuff that God told you to do. Just get your behind up and get your oil or whatever you think you need to take and just go. To somebody say hallelujah or something to that. That's a powerful word right there. I'm getting excited. I'm going to get up and run around the room myself. If he tells you to go, just go. But nobody in my church. God, listen, God will put one or two people around you that's going to believe and agree with you. You don't need no whole group of people to come together with you to do what God told you to do. Them two sisters went by themselves. Again, all the disciples was in the house with them when they got up to go. Everybody. Not one of them. Went, well, they probably didn't bother you because you're women. We're going to stay up in here. They was playing it safe, but they went. And because they went, they got to go inside. And when they got to go inside, they got to see what God's real agenda was. So that's why I made the comment. God will call you to do something and speaking to you in a way that you understand, but your ability to do it is not there. And you still got to go. Hmm. Um, Cast your bread upon the water. Give a portion under seven years unto eight, because you know not will do good in this land of this or that or the other. The tree falls where it falls, right? He says this. He who considers the rain or considers the wind will not sow. He who considers conditions will never reap. I'm rephrasing it. He's saying if you can sit down and continue to consider the situation, you will not sow and you will not reap. Don't spend all this time considering all this stuff. If God told you to go, you just go. That's it. Well, I need to figure out, so maybe I could do this. And you think I could probably do this? You could probably do all of that. But did he tell you to do any of that? So stop talking. Get in agreement. There should be somebody in your life that hear from God with you and can hear. And then do what he says. Watch this. And while they were perplexed, wondering about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothing stood near them. And as the women were terrified 
and they will bow their faces to the ground. The men said to them, why are you looking for the living one amongst the dead? Oh, boy, God, how much time do I have, man? You gave me so much. Why are you looking for the living one amongst the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee saying the son of man must be handed over to sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise to life? And they remembered his words. <sighs> and after returning from the tomb, they reported the things to the 11 apostles and to the rest. So guess who was the first one who get to share the gospel? Two sisters. So all these people that say women ain't supposed to preach, they need to shut their faces up. Because right here in the Bible, Jesus, the, the first two people to come back with the he is risen gospel was these women. And the sister said, listen, I want to make one more point. My God. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you still expecting God to show up in the place that he's already deemed your yesterday? Why are you still expecting God to move in what he's already moved in and he's no longer moving in? Why are you still expecting God to do the things for you that he's already done and he's already finished with? Why are you asking God to fix situations that he said, we're not fixing that, we're done with that. We're moving past this. There's people, there's jobs, there's skill sets. There's all these things that you become married to and enamored with and holding on to for dear life because you think it's all you got. And God is saying, but where I'm moving you has nothing to do with this. Why are you looking for the move of God amongst those things which are dead? Those things which are finished. Okay, so you did that and you were great at it, but he's calling you over here now. Why are you still expecting God to move where he's no longer resting? Why well, just waiting on the Lord and praying? No, you're not waiting on the Lord. You're trying to get the Lord to come back to something that he's not coming back to. You get trying to get God to meet you where he met you before, but he's no longer there. You're trying to get him to answer the, and you're using the same exact scriptures and reading the same prayer and, and sticking them on your refrigerator and thinking you now, you got yourself some kind of little incantation that you're going to get God to move. And God's like, I ain't moving based on that crap. I'm moving based on what I told you to do. Prepare your provisions. When the sun and the, the sun in the, in the day and the pillow of fire by night and the cloud in the day and the pillow of fire by night. And when I move, you move with me. And when I stop, you stop. And when I go, you go. God is a progressive God. Please stop expecting him to keep showing up in the dead weeds of your life. I know he's going to bring it back to life. No, he's going to move you to new land. He's going to move you to new, new territory. He's going to move you into new ground. He's going to produce something new in you. He's going to produce something greater in you than what you did before. Stop holding on to your nine to five that you've been holding on to and can't stand it anymore, but still holding on to it because you feel like that's the best God can do. Well, according to your faith, be it unto you. You'll be there till you die or retire. God is not limited to your abilities. He's not limited to your resources. He is risen. And not only is he risen, he is risen forevermore. Not he was risen that day and he don't rise again.
So before we go, bring it home now. Ready? Yeah. Psalms 47. Go with me there. I hope you're being blessed today. I believe you are because I'm preaching my hind heels right now and I can feel it. There we go. I'm reading out the Amplified. Are you ready? Starting at verse one, Psalms 47. Clap your hands, all you, all you people. Shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph and songs of joy. For the Lord, the most high, is to be feared and worshiped with awe-inspiring awe, awe reverence and obedience. He is a great king over all the earth. He subdued people under us and nations under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us. Did you hear what I just read? He chose our inheritance for us. Stop trying to choose it yourself or decide what it is. He's chosen it for you. And I promise you, his choice is better than yours. Can the people say amen? He chose my inheritance for me. Say it. And I like his better than what I chose. Say that. Watch this. He chose our inheritance for us. The glory and excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has ascended amidst shouting. The Lord, with the sound of the trumpet, sing praise to God. Sing praise, sing praise to our King. Sing praise, for our God is King of all the earth. I want you to go back to verse five. God has ascended amid shouting the Lord with the sound of the trumpet. Ascended is the same word as risen. He has risen amidst the shouting, amidst the praise, amidst the worship. He's risen. He's risen even in the Old Testament. He's risen in the midst of your obedience to his word and your praise and your shouting. He shows up in your trust and your faith in him. He shows up in your worship, not in your fears and your panics and your woes is me. He comforts you in that, but he don't rise in that. He rise when that that morning turns to shouting and that, that depression turns to faith. And that doubt turns to expectancy. And when you get to that place that you believe that what he said is what he's going to do in the midst of that shouting, 
you're going to see him rise up and he will take you to where he told you he's going to take you, but he's going to do it in the way that he does it, not in your old dead things, but in everything new that you never expected. You serve a mighty God. Take the handcuffs off of him. Stop limiting him to you, what you have and what you can do and what you know and what your abilities are. He is so much bigger. And if you give him the opportunity to do so, he sure shall. He is risen in Jesus' name. Amen.